0: Welcome to this week's episode and here we are pretty much as an industry a week away from reopening the doors in England. At least I appreciate different things are going on in different parts of the country Uh, but in fact are we opening anyway? Pretty much the entire country is either in tier two or in tier three Uh, and that means that many businesses will actually remain closed uh, and many are being faced with only being able to serve people who live together and only if they have a substantial meal. We are a million miles away from the Christmas party season we would hope to be having Uh, and I'm actually pretty shocked. I I might have even understood extending the lockdown. I certainly wouldn't have been entirely surprised uh, and I would not have agreed with it but I would have at least understood it as a perspective and a a potential solution, although I think many of us see it as a rather blunt instrument. But what I'm really stunned by is that if you're going to release the country, the hospitality should be one of the most impacted sectors in the new rules. Now, I've personally managed to book a Christmas show, for example, on the 22nd of December. And I know I could be in an inside venue, and I know the venue pretty well, and I'm guessing perhaps at 50% capacity, it'll be around 800 people. And I'm taking my wife and the kids, and we're so... Bloody excited to actually be doing something Christmas me. We feel very lucky to be in the right age bracket and in the right health where we can take a risk or two. And I feel happy that there is some risk, but it's my decision to manage it. What I don't understand is that if I can take my family to that show, why can I not meet my mum for a mince pie and a cup of coffee in a cafe or a restaurant? I live in a two-tier area. Now, not only can I not meet my mum for a coffee or meet up with a mate for a beer and a catch-up, but the really galling cherry on the cake is that over the actual festive period, the government is now encouraging three households to meet up in each other's houses, where transmission rates from the government's own data has already been shown to be one of the highest. Yet those same three families are not allowed to go out for a Christmas lunch as a family. They could be visiting a lovely restaurant, perhaps on Boxing Day, met at the door by someone in a mask, shown to a table with effective screening and plenty of space, looked after by a trained member of a hospitality team, employed by a caring company that has put an extensive amount of time and resources into training its team and providing a safe environment for them and customers alike. Yet these restaurants, employing hundreds of thousands of people, paying their taxes on the brink of collapse, have been told they cannot look after anyone who does not live in the same house. Now, it seems like common sense may indeed prevail, and certainly MPs are potentially going to vote against this this government kind of suggestion. Uh, And if that doesn't happen, then I really think that some sort of legal action may occur. Sad times. but... I do personally continue to be a very deluded optimist. I am excited by the common sense and demand of the people that I speak with. They feel safe in restaurants and bars. They feel safe that they're well managed and they're happy to take their own risks when allowed. They wanna see friends and they want to dine. I'm excited by the vaccine and I'm excited by getting through to spring and having one great big bloody celebration summer where friends and family celebrate like never before. Not until something is taken away from us do we truly appreciate it. And I think summer 2021 is going to be huge. I just hope enough of my peers in the industry can hang on in there and find a way to balance the books until spring. And then I really hope that the government just get out of the way and let us do our thing. Let us trade. Keep the VAT cut since 5% of bugger all whilst we've all been closed has hardly given us the boost that we needed. Keep the rates cut. Let us sell takeaway. Keep the terraces open and the open spaces open. Let us trade outside. Give the industry some breathing space. And I think that our leaders and our teams and the public will rally and do all it can to spend some money in our venues. We, in return, will be so damn excited to be serving again. And with that backdrop of excited optimism for the future, I was very excited this week to chat about what restaurants of the future might look like. By which I mean, now that we are clearly so loved by the local community, what can we do to become even more socially aware of our potential impact and the potential for good that we can do? How much better can we look after each other and our teams and our suppliers and our customers and our community? We are a human business and humanity is going to be the buzzword of 2021, I feel. So Carly Trisgrove is joining me for this week's Super Positive Conversation. I love Carly's story and her energy and her ethos and her hospitality adventure. As you will hear, Carly went from a hut in a park, to an expensive hobby, to raising half a million pounds and building a beautiful cafe in that park. And along this journey, Carly realised that people were the key to all that she was achieving. Carly and her husband Ian and their team won multiple awards for their cafe particularly around employing disabled team members and looking after the local community, who treated the cafe as their own. But Carly is only too aware of how tough a sector hospitality can be, and eventually she sold her beloved cafe to start a new life deep in Devon. But as is too often the case, the hospitality itch kept coming back, and Carly and Ian have been busy developing a new concept, Op Op, one price one plate, with ethics and people and shared success deep in its DNA. Carly has even become a B leader, both for a home business, but also to tell others about the opportunity becoming a B Corp Presents. I learnt a great deal talking to Carly and really enjoyed her perspectives and her positivity. I cannot wait to continue to watch her hospitality adventure unfold in her newfound corner of the country. Now, our conversation talks about the B Corps and Carly's journey and her values and how they evolved, eating meat, paying what you can afford, fundraising and So much more. I'm sure you'll find some nuggets of wisdom in here and be inspired to continue to care about the type of business you operate or the type of business you buy from. But just before you go, remember, can you please just do two things for me? Firstly, head over to the website humansofhospitality.co.uk and sign up for the weekly newsletter so that every Monday morning you will get an email from me explaining who this week's guest is and linking you to any great resources that may have come up during the conversation. For example, with Carly, we've got her Instagram page, page for her new business, and Carly's personal Twitter account. Saves you going off and hunting for these things since they'll all be together in the show notes in the email. And whilst you're on the website, you can really help me out by keeping this podcast on the air by making a one-off donation via PayPal or a monthly donation via Patreon. Both hugely appreciated. And if enough of you paid just a fiver a month, just a couple of cups of coffee, I could make this podcast a whole lot more awesome. And secondly, last thing, Would you mind subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast, please? I know you can't do this on every player, but Apple and some of the others do allow it, and it takes just a few seconds. You can probably do it on the device you are listening on right now. It's really helpful, since the more I can demonstrate that people are listening to and enjoying the episodes, the easier it is for me to convince fantastic guests to take an hour or so out of their day and enjoy a conversation with us and the better guests we get the better conversations you and i get to listen to and the more inspiration and great stories we get to enjoy okay thank you so much and sorry to keep asking but it really does help out so with that it's over to carly for this week's conversation Carly Trisgrove from Opop, Op. thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hugely appreciated. Alas, we are not face to face, Carly, but can you just tell people where in the world are you at the moment?
1: Oh yes, of course. I'm in Totnes in Devon, um, and it's a beautiful day. Crisp autumnal nice. day.
0: Yeah, lovely part of the world, Totnes. Yeah, I'm very lucky. Very beautiful. Okay, well I'm just along the coast in uh, in Bournemouth, so I'll send you a sort of virtual wave uh, down the coastline. But right. thank you so much for joining me, really appreciate it. Nice so to you. Yeah, I really want to chat to you. There's three sort of main things, I suppose, that I want to chat to you about. You're, you're sort of famous for uh, Cafe in the Park and particularly uh, you know, a lot of the awards that it won and its angle on sustainability and community and all sorts of stuff. So I want to talk to you about that. Right. Op your latest, newest project. Really exciting. But you're the first person uh, on in the B Corp world. So if you oh, don't mind, good. yeah, I want to start with B Corp. Is that okay?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, i've I've got a couple of friends with with, uh one in particular with a B, B corp registered company. We were also members of the SRA for, for many years, and and I'm, I've sort of looked at it, and I've not completely been able to get my head around how it would work in the restaurant world. And there's not many other no. examples. No, there really but you are. Yeah, you're a B leader. I I'm believe. Leader. I yes. What is a B leader? So and What is a B Corp for people who've lost us already?
1: Absolutely. So B Corp is um, uh, an international organisation that um, accredits businesses um, that want to really, as they say, measure what matters. Look at look at being the best they can in terms of governments, governance, um, and environment and society and their customers, um, how they treat their staff. But but it's a really kind of tight. Um, tight, well-thought-out process that not only kind of allows you to measure measure what's important, but allows you to keep being accountable to this kind of framework. Um, and it's been going for quite a few years. There's, there's, I can think across the world, there's probably around 4,000 B Corps, but in the UK, there's still only about 100. And you're right, there's... Only one restaurant group, Jamie Oliver's restaurant group, even though he sadly doesn't have many restaurants at the moment. But he he became a B Corp um, a couple of months ago. And I'm really hoping he'll lead the way for, for the industry. Um, and then also Riverford, um, who do organic food boxes, they've also just become a B Corp. But they're the kind of only two food-orientated businesses. And um, the process is is fairly simple, but it's, it's not easy. You go through their impact assessment and you answer questions on on everything to do with your business, to do with how much your directors get paid and to do with your maternity policy and to do with your sourcing and um, who's invested in your business, like a real deep dive exercise into everything about your business. And then you get a score um, and you can become a B Corp as long as you score 80 and above. Now, it's not easy. And a lot of B Corps are only just in the kind of 80 or above category. Um and then once you've kind of done the impact assessment, you send it off, and then they then they really look into you and make sure that what you're saying is is accurate. And and yeah, that's it. But it's it's brilliant. And what I one of the things I really love about B Corp is that you have to reapply every three years. So once you're a B Corp, you don't stay a B Corp. You reapply every three years, and after three years, you have to increase your score. And I and I love that because it shows that it's about an ongoing effort. This isn't like a one-off box-ticking greenwashing exercise. This is about Constantly um, reviewing and how to be better, um, so that's B Corp, and um, me as a B leader. So B Corp are very clever; they know that they need to get the message out there, and that the best way to do that is through people that really believe in the cause. So they run a course where you can train as a B leader. It's a five-day, five, five half-day course, and basically, I'm just kind of more savvy than the average person about B Corp, so I can help people in the process of obtaining. Um, B Corp status, and and that's it. Um, and um, what a lot of people don't know as well is that because B Corp is only once you've been trading one year, so you have to have evidence of all the practices that you're doing. But if you're new, one of the things you can do is become um, uh, have a B Corp pending status. So you can say, I haven't actually done all of these things that I I should be doing, but I'm going to, and I'm going to commit to doing them. And then you can have pending status for a year as well. So it's um, yeah i can't speak highly enough of it but yeah
0: Yeah, amazing so when did you do the the
1: course um well i got lucky and i did it online i say lucky because um it was a course in london and um, i'm in devon and it was going to you know take quite a lot of time and obviously with um with this new world we had to do it online so i did it this summer um yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 okay. but, you know, so it wasn't quite the same because my cohort, you know, we've not actually met in person and, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. But no, it, it was it was nice to not have to do the journey five times.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, and and the plan with you doing that was because you wanted to use it in your own business or because you wanted to help other people yeah, do Yeah, so, so the plan is,
1: so the business that we're creating, which um, I can go on to talk about, but the business is going to be a group of restaurants and each restaurant in that group, we want to become a B Corp. Um, the organisation will become a B Corp and as long as um, all the kind of um, the re- the businesses underneath them, as long as they will on- operate under the same brand, they will. They will become B corps too, but we wanted to be able to work with our partners that are going to run these sites and help them understand what being a B corp means. So I just felt that it was the best way to kind of really get into it and and have a deep understanding of it.
0: Yeah, perfect. Well, I I know the world of hospitality is full of amazing human beings. I know that because I get to chat to so many of them. <laughs> uh-huh. I would imagine that there, that there's loads of people who would love to do it, and I'm interested, I suppose, as to why more people haven't. And it's either I suppose it's got to be an awareness, or it's just really hard so what sort of things restaurant specific what sort of things would would restaurants have to do to uh, achieve accreditation that, that, that they might not be doing already
1: sure um so it's probably fairly similar to the sustainable restaurant association and if you look at that um there aren't lots of restaurants that have three stars and i imagine it's a similar sort of thing so it would be your sourcing policy um but they would really kind of you know, look very thoroughly into to that. Um but um in terms of your energy supply, um, in terms of salaries, zero hour contracts, whether your staff rely on tipping to bump up their salary, all the sort of practices that are not considered necessarily best practice. Um <sighs> I'm trying to think what yeah. else would be and it's not easy. It's it's not no. but I do think there's also an awareness and I think that um, I do think that B Corp, now that Jamie Oliver has led the way, I imagine that it will be something that more and more restaurants will be hearing about because I think B Corp will make a big deal about it.
0: Yeah, interesting. And and I suppose I'm always a little bit worried and, and I get, um I don't know, maybe maybe in a sort of a spiral, I suppose, of, of confusion and maybe get into detail. But if you, if you just take meat for example and this was sort of a question later for you I suppose because you are you still vegan you turn vegan Uh, at 12 is that right no
1: I'm in and out I I am at the moment
0: okay (laughs) great I am predominantly (laughs) and we we may go off on on a tangent but one of the things I've struggled with is that you know to be a true environmental restaurant can you be one and sell meat and if you do you know, if if you can be one. And I think it's complicated because I think there's issues around, you know, re, re, sort of circular regenerative farming and whether you actually need a certain amount of animals on the land to kind of regenerate the soil. But it, it's complicated. And I get to that point and, yeah. and already have a migraine. And then I think, well, how how do B Corp, how would they assess this kind of stuff? And I suppose it's the same with oh, I mean mean, Yeah,
1: I don't think um, B Corp have any, um, they don't take any stance on kind of morally things like that. So yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's not the Soil Association. So they're not, they don't have an understanding of, of that side of animal welfare. So yes, they probably wouldn't dig deep into in terms of, of that side of it. But I guess, for example, if you had, so if you bought, if you bought meat that was certified by the Soil Association, then that would probably score you points on a B Corp assessment. Um but you know, it isn't it isn't restaurant specific. Um, so it would be tricky it would be tricky for them. But I agree. I and yeah, there's absolutely no um judgment on whether eating meat is right or not. It, it's not about that. It's no yeah, it's and, about, and,
0: and, and the, it's about yeah. the
1: people that supply it to you and how fair you are and what sort of contracts you have with your suppliers and whether you honor them and and um so it's probably more people orientated oriented than animal because it's business and it's not about foods
0: it gets complicated yeah yeah because if if you're using sustainable energy presumably you're using sustainable energy because you don't want to have a detrimental impact on the environment but where how you farm your food has a bigger impact than (laughs) the energy we use yeah so i I appreciate i'm taking us down an unsolvable rabbit hole in the conversation but this is where i got to i think I, i i got to this point and went that's really hard. And if they do look into that, because I, I dive into this, yeah. you know, on a regular basis, both in these conversations, but also in my own business. And it's a real, it's a real, it's a real struggle. To, I, I don't uh, to know the answer, but
1: I, but I am going to find out the answer because, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a really good yeah. question. And um, I think probably the answer from them would be, we don't know because no one's asked us yet. I imagine.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. And and, and yeah, <laughs> to be fair, even if you do ask the question, because I ask the question regularly and different guests will give different answers. Obviously, some people are, you know, 100% got to be plant-based and 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 you know that's the answer but then you'll chat to other farmers who'll go well that's just ignorance actually to yeah. regenerate the soil if you've got and you know you get into the weight of the cows and yeah. go well if the cows are out and they're not out and, and this is the thing about outdoor reared cows and then all of a sudden they're like well you can't let them rear outdoors in the winter because the land gets too soft and then they destroy the land and again i get another yeah. migraine oh, carly and i've, yeah. I've gone yeah. down a hole okay well look, i think Many you know years I, discussions I, I, yeah, hundred percent, and and maybe with all of these things, it's it's just start the process, I yeah. suppose, isn't it? And if it's continual improvement and the system evolves. Then fantastic. Well, one of the questions I was going to ask is how does it how does it fit in and complement with the SRA? Have you have you spoken to the SRA? Are they? I, I've I've interviewed uh, Andrew Stephen, but it didn't come up the B Corp side. But yeah, what's no, what's their? No, and take funnily on it, enough, you know?
1: I'm speaking with him tomorrow um, about our project. No, it hasn't come up, but I have so t- said. I have told B Corp that I think they should be speaking to the SRA. It's a yeah. natural link, and and I think 100%. I imagine that's. I imagine not because I've said it, but I imagine now because of Jamie Oliver, and I imagine that will. That will start happening.
0: Yeah, be great. You'd imagine that there'd be some opportunities for them, or well, some quick learnings, yes, I guess, for B-Corp, yeah. just because the SRI Absolutely. have spent years in this, in this field, field already, yeah. haven't they? Excuse the pun. So, Okay, okay great. Well, look, we, we, we may come back, certainly to some of the topics in there we will do, but um, let's just dive into to set a bit of context, I suppose, as to where uh your interest and passion and and, and the sort of the op-op journey I guess if we just go back to cafe in the park sure. so your your journey in hospitality was uh in some ways typical not not through the academic route but you you know you had a young family you were looking for an entrepreneurial opportunity uh what is probably less typical is that I think it was a, a degree in engineering and you'd yeah. worked for oh, Ernst yeah. & Young for a few yeah. years so oh, can really you cool. yeah that's a that's an huh? interesting uh route I suppose can you just explain a little bit about yeah how, how you ended up Uh, in hospitality through that journey
1: yeah well um naive and stupid at 18 um i i wanted to follow my boyfriend to university um you know and i didn't have the grades he had um so i didn't have the options he had so the only course that i could take at birmingham which is where he wanted to go was um engineering um luckily he's now my husband so it wasn't a wasted exercise um but i hated it really (laughs) i don't know what i was thinking um so, yeah, three years at Birmingham. Um, and then the, the Ernst & Young thing was brilliant because um, actually I I'm, I my mum made me learn to type when I was 14. And it was brilliant because I was able to get really well-paid jobs, even, I don't know, I was at university over 20 years ago. So even then I was on something like £12 an hour typing while all my mates were at the, you know, the, the student bar earning £4 an hour. Um, and so when I left uni, I, I temped at Ernst & Young and I ended up um, getting a job on their um oh they 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 have this kind of team and entrepreneurial services that helped people set up their businesses um subsidiaries of their businesses both in the uk and abroad and i got to coordinate that that expansion and it was brilliant because it was my introduction to business and i i got to learn with some brilliant people and and be talking to really big clients um and be charged down to ridiculous rate because that's what happens when you work for a big accountancy firm um but i was
0: was interested in that because it feels like a bit of a sort of an oxymoron that ernst and young and an entrepreneurial team As as an entrepreneur setting up in business you wouldn't think you'd go to Ernst & Young no, for know. some help. But, I mean, I, but it does well, exist.
1: I know that one of their clients was Dido, not the Dido everyone's talking about at the moment, the Dido as in the singer. So they had that sort of entrepreneur, you know, making okay. lots of money entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, a not lovely. the entrepreneurs, no, not the ones who instantaneously make cash. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so it was brilliant. So, you know, not that I didn't want to stay in the corporate world. I knew that, but I was very, very fortunate to um, have a really good introduction um, into business. And that was it. That was my only... Um, That was the last time I was employed. That was 20 something years ago.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Nicely done. Funny enough, I, I learned to type when I was at college. And same thing. I remember you brought back memories when I was in Australia. I traveled around Australia for a while and I randomly ended up as a uh, a secretary in a, in a finance firm in the middle of Sydney and they found it hilarious because I was the only male sure, secretary yeah. at the time because I had really good typing skills and I remember they have a, a like a, a national secretary's day once a year there and they found it hilarious to buy me a bunch of flowers Aww. and a card and all this kind of stuff <laughs> so yeah good, good memories you've just brought uh, back darling, well my, I'm trying uh, to teach my skill. older
1: kids as well like it's actually one of them has done it but it is it's you know now everything's done obviously on keyboard
0: it's a yeah, brilliant no, skill. It's a, it's, it's a really uh, useful skill. So, yeah, sorry, to, to continue the story, you're at Ernst & Young, you end up in a park in a hut. Yes. Uh, can I you just fill the gap? Get there? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so um had a baby really early, I guess, 26, uh, which is It's all to do early. with
0: your, your husband's problem, isn't yeah, it? You yeah, You go to Birmingham because of him, you change <laughs> jobs because you have a baby. I know. This has got something to Crazy. answer for yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So, yeah, so we had had a baby really young and then, you know, that typical kind of, um thing that lots of women go through that they want to be at home and they want to work and how do you combine both and um I thought about running um these kind of singing classes for babies and I thought I'd take my baby with me and that's how I'm going to do it and I was looking for premises and this park um hut came up and um, it wasn't suitable for singing classes but it was suitable for a cafe so um that's it. it. It's really, you know, I was always obsessed with food, and I always you knew I wanted to run my own business, but I'd never thought about running a cafe. Um, but it was just an opportunity too good to miss, and so um, we put in a bid, and that was April
0: two thousand and five. Um, right. Yeah, um, this and this hut was owned by it was a, it was a council. Was a council hut. Council hut. Essence, it, it had
1: no it. indoor seating. It was just a hut about. In, in the middle of a big hundred-acre park, in the middle near the car park, so not right in the middle near the car park, but you know, before us, they'd only had hot dogs and ice cream sold in there. There was no one trying to do anything proper, and um, we started selling. You know, this is you know, two thousand five, so fifteen years ago, we started selling quinoa and falafel, and um you know, and people loved it. They really loved it. They they didn't know what it was, um but they you know they they loved it, and um, they came back and they came back and. Um, we did well and we learned a lot of lessons. And But the thing is, we, we were only open six months of the year and we relied on no rain. So after a couple of years, we approached the local council with the idea that we built um, a permanent building, like an, an all-year-round building. And um, in return, if we did, if we built the building, if we raised the money, would they give us a long lease? So we ended up raising half a million. We did it through um, half through Angel investment and half through the um, small firms loan guarantee scheme. And um, we got a 50 year lease in return with the peppercorn rent. Wow.
0: So, Amazing. oh, that's really good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I speak with a bit of experience because I'm, I'm a tenant of uh, the council as well on my seafront uh, premises, course, so yeah, on the, the beachfront. Yeah. So, yeah, not not dissimilar in yeah. the fact. I think we had a 25 year lease with a significant chunk of investment. But now I chair Bournemouth Parts Foundation. Oh. We have a number of parts and public spaces and stuff, and yeah, so we we, we get involved with in this. But great because what you know it's, it's a win win, isn't it? Because the council really want a good operator to come in and you get access to 100 acres which would be pretty tricky to locate yourself yeah in, in we the, were in the it, sector, it was isn't. very win-win
1: and you know we yeah. were lucky they just kind of left us alone to get on with it and so we had this I mean the, the thing that was bloody difficult was that we just it, there was like no end to the amount of people we could serve and that's the difficulty with being in parks you know people people just keep coming um <laughs> yeah, because
0: <laughs> right because that's quite good if you were Ernst and Young and somebody told you that you'd probably go <laughs> yeah that sounds like it's got some benefits uh, it's,
1: it's it was <laughs> Unless it, it's
0: raining. It was oh. amazing.
1: We built a beast in the end because um where we were, we in, I mean in some ways part of it was luck because we just weren't in an area where there were lots of great food establishments. So we were one of the few and, you know, the people came. Um but it was it was tough. And because we didn't have because we were only one site, we didn't have the opportunity to attract people and say, you know, we've got lots of opportunities for you to go to our multiple sites, we didn't have any of that. So we really struggled with with recruitment over the years because um, we were just a bit in the middle
0: of nowhere. But um, and Where is it? Is This is on the outskirts of London. Basically. Yeah. It's
1: in a place called Rickmansworth, which is on the metropolitan line. So it's a real commuter town. So it's, you know, it's on the tube, but um, you know, it's, it's Northwest, Northwest just at yeah. Junction 18 of the M25. So it's kind of right just on the edge. Um, but, you know, huge privilege and I loved it. And even though, you know, of course, like anyone, there were days when I, I just couldn't stand it. There were many more days
0: when I loved it yeah well for many years you described it as your expensive hobby so and, and it, was it was really was it 2013 <laughs> yeah. I share this uh, Carly with my my seafront restaurant there's so many things that, that I read when I was doing a bit of research about you in particular actually the one that really made me chuckle is when you were trying to explain to someone I think it was on another podcast about the fact that you need to stop serving food between 11:30 and oh 12 goodness. and oh my god I stood up and gave you a round of applause because <laughs> exactly the same on the beachfront and what people don't understand that I, I feel almost like Popping up, like they scan a QR code, and I pop out of the menu and say, "Look, can I just take you behind the scenes in the in the in the kitchen where you think that you've just arrived at 31 And why shouldn't you better order? But in reality, there's ninety seven breakfasts that have already been ordered, and we know that another hundred people are going to turn up at midday for lunch. And it, and it's not that we're being lazy and just sat out; they're not doing anything. We're just trying to get our shit sorted, ready for the next on, onslaught. So yeah, these things are a real challenge. It
1: took me quite a long time to realise that I have to put the people that work with me. Before the customers, because yeah you know, if I don't, then there's no one to serve the customers. You know, so if <laughs> yeah, it was. But the great thing about being you know an independent is that you can make those decisions really quickly. So you get to that point and you go, right, this isn't working. We just have to change it. And then,
0: mm. thank
1: goodness, you do because yeah, suddenly yeah. your team aren't about to walk out on you.
0: So what what year was it you? got the hut for 2005
1: 2005 right? then we... and then
0: 2013 before you said you started to take a salary what, what, yeah. what changes did you make in that last period of time that made you profitable
1: um so um so up until 2013 my husband who is an accountant was still doing a full-time job somewhere else and then he then then we kind of thought, right, we've got to put, we've got to try and do this. So he came back to the business and just that working on it together. So we, we invested really heavily in technology. So, Solutions like um, table trackers that allowed us to see where we needed to take the food to um, really saved us a huge amount of time. But everything was linked up. So from our till systems to the kitchen, we didn't have any paper in our kitchen. The chefs, we had chefs that worked all over the world and they'd never seen anything like the system we were using. They had um, screens and they'd kind of come into our kitchen and they'd hate it. And within a week they said they'd never go back to paper. Um, so everything was digital and, um, front and back, everything. So like the person on the till could see a live, um, a live display of how long each ticket was taking so when you know when you've got someone saying how long will my food be you can accurately say well the last person got served within 23 minutes or you Amazing. know so it just it just made us able to um say right yeah. we, we've gone beyond we've got you know 25 tickets on the you know we can't take any more just for 10 minutes and and what it meant was that it took the pressure off the kitchen and suddenly you know they didn't get so wound up and you know anyone that's worked in a kitchen it's really tough so you know you have to really look after the people that if you've got a busy place you have to look after the people that are serving the food
0: yeah. um, what software was that as a matter of interest was it oh, something specific or was it off the shelf kind of thing? It, was, it wasn't something you had made
1: no 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 not something oh. we had made um it's yeah. gone it's gone i can't think of it but it it was brilliant and then the table tracker system if you've got a lot of tables um that was brilliant because um everyone that came to the counter we gave them a, a tracker every mat every table had a mat they put it on the mat we then could see when they'd arrived at their table which tracker was on which table if they decided to move tables which you know in this sort of kind of park cafe environment people do as long as they did what we'd asked them and take their tracker with them we could see what table they were on so it just everything everything just flowed better so we were just able to turn tables quicker
0: um and what year did you put this in place
1: 2015, probably. So, awesome. 2015,
0: Yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling behind the times. I'm reasonably techy I thought with my guys all taking orders on iPads and buzzers and various things, but that sounds like the dream scenario. We have exactly the same. You know, we have a big uh, oh, terrace, well, hundred people outside, oh, and it okay. starts to rain. Yeah. As it is now, it's pouring down. Everybody gets up off the terrace and walks and hides under cover, and we spend the next thirty minutes. Oh, trying to work out and, and then it gets people down.
1: It gets down. You know, the people yeah. that are working with you. And okay, well, I will, I will. After this, I will definitely find, remember the name of it, and send yeah, you the send it cause send It was life changing awesome it 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 was amazing i'm
0: I'm, I'm salivating at the thought of the efficiency yeah it was uh, it was
1: efficiency and that's what we did and and i think that's how we started to turn it around the efficiency um and just keeping on top of the numbers and um looking at it every day it was just and we really got our margins tight by just looking at them all the time um because you know having an in-house accountant made sure that Mm -hmm. we were you know we just, all of a sudden, yeah. Ian's
0: making uh, making up for all those things that you made you do, making up for the Birmingham part. <laughs> yeah, Birmingham again.
1: Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so, well, so you it did, came you good. You, you did, so, Amy. Yeah, I'm uh, going to tell three you three years of
0: engineering. Oh, yeah.
1: What was I thinking? So yeah, so, so it it really it, it came good.
0: Yeah, amazing. And at what point, because you you became known for having these really strong sort of core values, things like you know buying local, paying the living wage, offering opportunities to adults with learning difficulties, green energy. Did did, did these things evolve had you always had that I suppose it goes back almost to my question earlier but what made you turn vegan at 12 was that was that uh you know was were you always driven I suppose by this sort of conscientious uh thinking about other people I
1: I, yeah I I don't know um I remember aged 11 um running a beauty without cruelty campaign you know at school I I, you know I loved Anita Roddick and the body shop and um you know and I remember getting told off because the photos were too graphic and um I don't know. I, I don't know where it came from, but yeah, I, I think I was vegan actually at age ten and vegetarian age ten and then vegan age thirteen. And yeah, I just I don't know where it came from, but it was always a passion. Um and it's just you know, it runs through the core of me. Because yeah. it, because it's it's all possible. I don't I just don't understand why anything has to be done to the detriment of any other being
0: so so the so the values in the business then were they they there from day one or because you mentioned selling quinoa out of a hut i suppose (laughs) but did 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 some of those values evolve you know i I suppose yeah what was the motivation to to become such a part of the community and to look after your team so well was that was that learnt behavior
1: um so the absolute motivation from day one was to prove that you can sell good food to people at accessible price that 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 was day one um yeah, looking after people, I just it just made sense. I don't know that I've ever I've ever stopped to think about. You know, it just makes business sense. You know, you look after your people; they stay. It's just much easier to run a business that way. Um, mm. It's not necessarily me being you know thoughtful or kind. It's partly selfish. You know, it's mm. it, it's how to look. It's how to to create a business that's going to still be serving people in five, ten years time. Um, yeah. But yeah, the I I just love the idea of making it accessible to lots of people because actually it makes it much more interesting to work in a place where all sorts of people come um so the more accessible the more price accessible it is the more diversity in your customers and therefore the more interesting the job
0: yeah it can be really hard to do in well you you, you saw it because of how hard it was to make money for many years but it can be a phenomenally tight uh, margin sector so sometimes i don't i, I think it can be disingenuous to, to to owners to say, oh, you're all ruthless sods. That's why you've got zero hours contracts and, and don't pay the living wage. All too often, they're, they're just fighting, you know, every possible corner, I suppose, to try and keep their business afloat. And I remember chatting to Andrew Stephen and saying that the definition of a sustainable restaurant is one that's still open. <laughs> so yeah, how do you find that fine line, I suppose, between you don't want to exploit people, but you've also got to recognise that it can be an the hard sector, particularly at the smaller end, to make money?
1: Um, I guess the way we did it, was through high volumes of sales that was it we just managed to we had a very high um payroll I think 45 wow. percent of our turnover went on people yeah, um, that's
0: incredible and you still made money
1: and we still and, and we managed to and we were just really really worked on our margin really hard and we managed to get it to about um 75 percent I think it was the best we got it and it was just about really really being careful and thinking about Every you know, not wasting, and um, but it was it was mostly about sales. We managed it because because we created a product that people wanted to come for, and then we never had to worry about sales. The sales were, in fact, we had to worry about being able to supply the sales because we struggled to 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 do it sometimes. Um, but I think that that was it. We just managed. We we created a product that people wanted and that they continually came back for, and that was how we managed to to pay people yeah.
0: well well amazing and and won all sorts of awards and recognition along the journey so what made you did did you decide you wanted to sell it or did someone come and make you an offer you couldn't refuse
1: no 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 we like probably lots of people that run restaurants we thought about selling it a few times you know when you just when you just think
0: you oh, know, lots of times <laughs> yeah, you in know, the winter. i've yeah. got no
1: kitchen porter i can't do the oh. same or i've got no you know yeah. um so no and i think um it <sighs> It got to the point when we just really struggled to find people and I felt that people's expectations were getting higher and I found it was harder to meet them. Um, And it was it was making us miserable more than it was making us happy. Um, I think is simple. And and also we've done it for 14 years. And I think also maybe we'd taken it to the point where we didn't know where else we could take it. And there didn't seem to be enough potential anymore. And I think potential is what I find exciting knowing that there's always something around the corner. And of course there was more that we could have done, but I, I couldn't see it at the time. And, um, luckily an offer did come in. Um, and it yeah, very fortuitous <laughs> that we sold it when we did. Um, you know, I, I say that with yeah, a heavy heart is... for all the people that are in the business at the moment, but yes, yeah. for us, for us, it was fortuitous. And, um, we hadn't thought about moving away so we were living in Hertfordshire and we hadn't thought about moving to Devon but we sold it and then we found ourselves you know in a situation where we had options and when you run a business that's 5 minutes walk from your home and you serve your community every day for 14 years it leaves a big hole when you sell it you know we were very emotionally connected to this place so it it felt um it felt like a good idea to move away from it <laughs> which it was
0: mm. Yeah, and all the way you, you certainly did, didn't you? want to explain to the other. You're in Devon. We're in Devon. So, was there a particular motivation for Totnes as well? Um, no,
1: no. I mean, if anyone knows about Totnes, it is its own little unique bubble. Um, lots, lots of um, slightly kind of hippie-ish um, types um, that, and it's very food orientated. Um, it's also situated between the coast and Dartmoor. I mean, it's you know ge- geographically, it's just a wonderful place to live, but just lots of people that are. Um, active in lots of different campaigns and slightly alternative ways of living
0: yeah you enjoying it
1: oh my goodness yes (laughs) I love it I love it it's it's a very different world people talk to you here I I lived in a place where I'd I'd go to the playground and, and I'd notice that people would put their heads down just in case I made eye contact with them um, you know, it wasn't that they weren't so was, nice. you are from
0: the park. Well, we? maybe it was that, yeah,
1: <laughs> maybe. But, um, you know, just people just were shyer and not so keen, whereas I just am always craving conversation and, and wanting to know about people. And here, because I think it's a place where lots of people have moved to from other places, so we're all really keen to find out about each other. So there's just co- constant conversation, which I just really enjoy.
0: Yeah, nice. No, it's beautiful. And uh, yeah, so many easy access to so much awesome countryside and the coastline down there. So it's great. So well done. Uh, Great. That would lovely end to the story if we could just say, yeah, so you've done it. You've been on your journey. You thought never going to do hospitality again. It's insane. I'm just going to chill out in Devon and have a nicer life. But you're clearly insane because you've come up with this awesome. And thanks, by the way, you, you sent me an incredibly comprehensive and amazing Document that, that I think is genuinely brilliant. There were Aww. so many little nuggets and ideas and little well, little bits you. of wisdom in there. It's like a, it was more of a, yeah, a manifesto for what hospitality oh, should. Well,
1: brilliant! I'm so like. delighted so, you saw it.
0: Yeah, way. I really, really, really enjoyed it. So, uh opop or uh, opop, what on earth is that, Carly?
1: So, um you know, we we said we'd never open a restaurant again.
0: um yeah, <laughs> i <on> this journey. <laughs> but the thing is, when it's
1: all that you know, it's really difficult to think. You know, what else is going to Make me as happy and make me yeah. as fulfilled as that, and um, it, the, the idea kind of came to me kind of at the beginnings here before before we knew the word COVID, and I was just thinking about our our town centres and how charity shops seemed to be everywhere and I wondered if we could create a restaurant version of a charity shop that's kind of where I started so where we where we sold food that had been kind of intercepted was you know previously going to be wasted with the same idea of charity shops and um you know where the kind of the overall purpose was was a kind of social purpose rather than a profit purpose and so that's kind of where the idea started and then we just we've spent the last eight months developing this idea of how you could possibly run a restaurant on a social enterprise Um, model without being profit driven because we just keep saying you know not not independence of course there are loads of independent restaurants that are brilliantly run but in the casual dining market there's a lot of chains that are kind of carbon copies of one another and and you know they're run by venture capitalists they, they they're not run for the benefit of the people that work in them and and a lot of the people that work in them aren't happy because I've read a, a lot of reviews on the um, indeed website where you can read lots of employee reviews from lots of different companies um, so we just thought right let's take everything we learned from running a restaurant and everything we heard from the people we worked with and let's think about what would the best kind of restaurant look at look like um so we started with that without thinking whether we could make it financially viable we kind of just sat down and and spent months thinking about how it could be the best and then we kind of retrospectively thought right that's how that's how a brilliant restaurant would look right how's that going to make money um and you know it's not going to be easy <laughs> so um so this is the idea it's called opop Op, one plate one price so the idea is that um it's more of a canteen it's kind of no frills dining it's um breakfast and lunch not dinner um the idea of not being dinner is is to create a restaurant where it's more attractive to chefs because they don't have to work evenings um and it's about especially now with a lot of people working from home it's about bringing people together at lunchtime um, and at breakfast time for um Healthy, delicious, nutritious food that is affordable, um, and and that's simply it. It's 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 just a kind of no-frills dining experience, um, but it's it's a, a restaurant that is run um, for the benefit of the people. That work there, and um, eventually will become employee owned and um, and driven forward and by the people that work there. And one of the kind of key so- concepts is because we don't want to run lots of sites, is that we bring people in to run our sites, our partners um, that may not necessarily have access to funds um, to start up a restaurant, but that have all the right skills that a lot of restaurants are lacking. They kind of the hosting, the drive, the you know the personality, the the love of hospitality because it's a lifestyle. You have to love it. Um and so we bring people in that earn ownership, they bank equity each year so instead of taking a bonus, they bank equity, and eventually they're building up they're building the, they it's a kind of um equality thing it's spreading equality because they're building ownership of something um investing their time in it they're they're not going to come out with nothing um mm. Yes, so it's yeah. all very um, ambitious and, and slightly utopian. And um, yeah,
0: no, it's great for UK. Yeah.
1: And we are aware that you know there's lots of ifs and buts. And so what we're doing is um, we're going to create a, the first site ourselves, and improve it, and and you know see and and well try and prove it. See that see if it can work. And and then if we if we can make it work in one site, then then we go out for funding and we um, we roll it out.
0: Okay, nice. Um- Two things. I suppose One is I saw some really good things uh, talking about sort of, uh, I suppose, chef quality food without evening dining. And I was doing some research, I can't remember what, what the trigger was, and it was probably 18 months ago, but loads of really interesting sort of cafes in Melbourne specifically seem to come up in Australia. And there just seem to be this real kind of cafe culture but but restaurant quality food but same thing yeah just doing breakfast and lunch and i thought what an amazing thing that is as a chef to be able to do the sort of food that's still creative and you still love and you want to do but not have to do it in the evening i did wonder who all these people were who had time to uh, to go and enjoy it midweek and, and didn't get out in the evening well but i think look, it's-
1: who knows we might be going you know lots of people talking about four-day weeks um, yeah. You know, if we if we start living in a world where more people are working from home, more people are doing four-day weeks, not everyone is working Monday to Friday, there are just going to be more people around. And, and actually, you know, I hope that we're going to start living in a world where people take their kids out for proper food more as well, rather than leave the kids at home with a babysitter. You know, other cultures, people go out with their kids. So lunchtime suddenly becomes more realistic if you've got young kids than evenings. Um, yeah yeah no
0: agree. I agree 100%. it's not yeah. it's
1: not the way it is here at the moment I agree and a lot of people when we ran our cafe used to come and say gosh this sort of thing exists in Australia but I've never seen it
0: here mm. yeah well we get uh, similar on the beach and like I said earlier you know before we started chatting on air but the promenade was was super busy today and we've only got a little takeaway open on the beach so there are definitely uh, plenty of people about. We do a scheme, Good Food for Little People, where you can have anything on the menu for half price, whatever you want, which breaks my chef's heart when he has so to the way chop it a bee in half. Yeah, or, or a steak. And he said, Well, how can I make money if I've chopped that fish in half? And I was going, Well, long term investment, isn't yeah. it? Those kids hopefully will be coming back in 15 years and having a bowl of mussels oh, instead of a bowl of chips. Yeah, absolutely. Be,
1: uh, which Cheers would be nice.
0: So, the the, the the one price, one plate bit of this, though, you're not talking about only having one option on the menu, are you? Or you're, or you're just saying that everything's going to be the same no, price? So it's, how does it's, that work?
1: So, it's kind of canteen style. So, the chefs prepare a range of dishes, some hot, some cold, plant based mostly, um, and it all gets set out. And then people come and tell the chefs, the chefs serve it. So, they spend their morning making it, then they spend their lunchtime serving it. So, you might have, um, you know, to choose from, you might have, I don't know, a shakshuka, a grain bowl, um, uh, a kind of some sort of ragu, um, you know, some sort of, um, I don't know, a salad. And and you just, you, know, you just say whatever you want on your plate. So it's, it's, you can have one thing only, or you can have a combination of things. Um, but it's, you know, it's all good for you. Um, and it's all ready. It's all instant. Mm. Um, and, you know, it keeps being prepared and topped up as, as the lunchtime goes on
0: okay is there a difference between nutritious and healthy by which i mean probably nutritious you can have a chocolate brownie that's made in a factory and full of garbage or you can have one that's that's freshly made and isn't necessarily healthy but it is at least not uh, it's, you it's know, made of whole foods i suppose where yeah. do you stand
1: um, i mean on? i think the thing is um we're about feeding people um so it's feeding not fattening, is kind of my mantra so that doesn't mean we're not going to sell cakes um it just means that um in our dishes we're going to be Careful about how much fat we add we 're not going to not add fat because fat 's tasty um but we 're just going to be careful about it and and you know think about what we 're doing rather than just um you know cook with lots of butter and cream because of course butter and cream is tasty um so we just I just think that you can have a balance um so no i'm i'm not i'm not anti at all mm-hmm. in any way um, um calories or sugar or anything we we absolutely need a balanced diet, but this is about feeding people this is about meals. Um, this is about knowing that you can kind of eat healthy and indulge occasionally. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, people say that one of the trends that we're going to see coming out is people wanting healthy indulgences. So managing to combine the two, which I think is really possible if you're clever and in, in, with your ingredients. And if you cook with instinct, you can absolutely create delicious food that, that is just good for you.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've, I opened my eyes up. So I, I went on to a predominantly plant-based diet uh, a couple of years ago. And, and actually the thing that was because people are like, well, how do you give all this stuff up? How do you give it up? And I was like, you know what, it's genuinely, it's been fascinating because I haven't given up some stuff. I've added loads of things to my diet that I didn't used to eat. And I'd added all these rare sort of random grains from hodma dodds and papers like that and father favour beans and yeah uh, just just a load of food. And it got me interested in food. I'd been surrounded by chefs for the last fifteen years. So I'd become a little bit lazy in the kitchen. Yeah, I just, just asked chefs to cook something. But actually, yeah, they weren't cooking the style of food. So it, it really reignited my passion for food. And I remember one day sort of tucking into a uh, a plant-based burger and it, and it wasn't just that it wasn't meat but it was actually it was full of you know beetroot and spices and quinoa and and it was genuinely healthy wild rice and i was like not only does it taste incredible but it's really good for you as well and i thought that's, that's amazing uh, it was, you know, much, much more complex, much more flavoursome than a beef burger.
1: And it's achieving Having that balance. It's harder.
0: That, hmm. Yeah. Well, so another experience I had is I opened a, a juice bar in our town centre uh, last summer or the summer before. Uh, and it was literally, you know, fresh juices, fresh smoothies, all really, really good sort of food because all the stuff that's available in the town centre is the normal sort of garbage. Yeah. Um and it was, it was a really desperately disappointing experience in the fact that I know if we'd been selling churros and and cappuccinos uh. and chips, we would have made a fortune. And we lost about 30 grand uh. over the course of a year trying to run this place and ended up closing it. And I just thought it's too early. There's not enough people at the moment who want to pay for a freshly squeezed carrot and apple juice compared to a frothy cappuccino and yeah. a pan of chocolate. No. Um, How how how, are you you confident? Yeah, exactly. Well, I really because I love you know. I I I was salivating as you describing the menu. Yeah, you know, are you you're going to refuse to sell? Uh, you know, fish and chips. Are you? yeah, yeah. There'd
1: be nothing like that on our menu. But it's you know because there are places you can go if you want that. This isn't about. This isn't about going out to a restaurant to eat. This is about going somewhere where you need feeding. You, you know, you want lunch, um, and you don't want to cook it, and you'd quite like to eat it with someone else or in a or in a busy, buzzy atmosphere. Um, yeah. You know, and this is somewhere because it's it's not priced like a restaurant is. You can go more frequently. Um, so yeah, I think you know a juice bar maybe where you you also said tourists as well. That might have been fine. <laughs> what <a laughs> that, shame. Would been the, uh, that would have been <laughs> that the That would compromise. have been the balance. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, uh, like, I think yeah. times definitely um, definitely. It's going more in that direction, but yeah, you you might be right. Who knows? It, it, can you can you convince all the people, especially when you're not in a city? You know, if we were in in London, you know, there are lots of people yeah. that are that are doing kind of um, more out out the way things. But who knows? And and that's yeah. why we've got to try. Well, I don't,
0: I'm not. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree. Think I agree. And I, would, I would. I would. I would. I would. We're winging there. it a bit. <laughs> Well, you're, but you've got a very comprehensive uh, <laughs> philosophy manifesto behind it, which I think is, yeah, stick by those values and oh, that integrity, thank you. And people will see that you've done it properly. So, um, mentioning cities and, and locations was exactly my next question, really. Where is is it? Is it Totnes? Is that where the first one's going to be? Where do you go with this concept of test? No, it?
1: we've we've um, just agreed today um, a site in Ashburton, which is a town on the edge of Dartmoor, um, a beautiful oh, town. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be our kind of test bed, our test and learn centre, but it's also going to be the start of our training because one of the things that we're building alongside a restaurant is a training school, um, not just to train people in how to um, behave or, or, or cook or cook. Or make coffees but actually how to run a business because a lot of people that work in hospitality have a dream to go on and run their own restaurant so if we can show them how we think restaurants should be run then we can hopefully kind of create this you know um group of change makers that go out to um you know run their own restaurants better too so so we've got this site in ashburton that we've literally just agreed on today so we're hopeful that you know at some point next year who knows it's a crazy time to be taking on a restaurant i Um, love it
0: uh, your mentor <laughs> you <laughs> totally. how many people are signing up for restaurants in lockdown no too. I know no, um, no idea but I think it's brilliant and Ashburton actually is quite a touristy area isn't it So quite having touristy that, would, would you it's... try and have that ready for next summer we we'll
1: try and have it ready for next summer absolutely yeah um, who knows and it, it's a great site so if, if next year is a write-off well you know I still think we think it's worth it because um, the right place doesn't come up often so um, mm. and we've got a lot of work to do before we're ready to go anyway so um,
0: okay what makes it the right place? A particularly interesting building, is it? Or it's a very it funky way? building.
1: It's very shortish. It? That's what I keep telling people. When wow. I, yeah, it's been, it's been created by um, two very, very talented designers that um, set their own restaurant up and decided it's not for them, but uh, they've created this brilliant space um, in a great town um, that's Maybe. near enough our home that it's accessible, but not so near with, like, our last place that we walk out our front door and see our customers. Um, yeah. So it, it's enough of a distance. Um and the Southwest, you know, in terms of because one of the things that, that OPPOP is going to be about is about using intercepted food, going to, going to suppliers that haven't got a market for everything they've grown and saying because, because we don't have a menu, because we're creating dishes depending on what we can get, not on depending on what our menu says, that we can take anything from any farm that can't find a market from it. So we're in a prime position in the Southwest to be able to do that because we are just surrounded by so many brilliant growers.
0: Yeah, incredible spaces. Yeah. Do you know Oddbox? Do you have them down there, the, the veg delivery people? No,
1: I've heard of them. But no, yeah. Riverford is only, Riverford is around the corner. So everyone here is a Riverford customer. Rifford, yeah. yeah. Well,
0: funny enough, so I've been Riverford for, for a long time. I've had Guy's been on the podcast a couple of times, actually. And uh, yeah, fascinating. Love love what he's done with the business. Yes. Uh, and I feel a bit guilty because uh, I had regular weekly deliveries and then Oddbox came along. And the, the downside with Oddbox is they're not organic the benefit of them is it's exactly that it's it's food that was going to go to waste yeah. for whatever reason yeah. so it's odd sizes whatever it might be so my compromise is that I have one week I have river and the second week I have and and I find that the little sweet spot of, yeah, uh, of, of, of compromise we all have to and, uh, find our
1: sweet spot yeah
0: yeah and my wife and I are so tragically excited it comes on a Tuesday and both of us are, oh it's Tuesday I wonder what's going to come in the box oh, and I, we, I uh, totally relate to deal. that Yeah, I love it. And and if I could do it in the restaurant, it'd be brilliant. We've uh, we've tried to do this with fish where the fishmonger just brings, you know, whatever you've caught on the boat that day, bring it in. And if you've got the right team and brigade of chefs can be brilliant. And the challenge of it is, yeah, you know, very busy seafront location in the summer is you know how do you change the menus each day and typos on the menu because they've typed them up with what's coming that day and printing them and stuff and yeah, blackboards would be perfect. Although now that we're going more tech based with people ordering on their phones, it's much easier yeah. to just change yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah, well, you so, know, it doesn't have to go away. The idea it's just one that can be worked on. It's a brilliant, yeah, it's a brilliant way to yeah. do it,
0: isn't it? Mm, brilliant. Yeah, no, really good. Yeah, much better for so many reasons. Talking of great ideas, I just wanted to <laughs> randomly, but you, you talk. Is it okay, is it Belu or? Bilo? the water collaboration Hello. project yes. so we give away free water to yeah. everybody down in our restaurant saying we refuse to sell bottled water brilliant. which I think is great we yeah. do the sort of top-ups what I what I hadn't ever done is consider this idea of a contribution for the water and you raised 23k in two years but but this Bellu, what, what was this collaboration did they supply you with some kits yes. to, to, to filter so, the water? Um, then, did
1: they? Bellew um, it was it was just brilliant Bellu are a bottled water company they give um, 100% of their profits to WaterAid um, and they came up with this filtration system that we pioneered where they gave us a kit, which was two things. They gave us, um, we gave us, um, they gave us a hot water boiler, so we could do instant hot water, and they also gave us a filtration kit, which allowed us to offer still and sparkling, chilled and filtered water, um, just running tap water into it. Um, so what we did is, for every hot water-based drink, which would be an americano or a tea, we gave ten p of that back to Bellu. Um And for the tap water that we could offer people, so we created these very funky copper taps at the end of our counter, where people could just fill up their their glasses with still or sparkling water. Um, we we just asked for a donation. So people, we had a, a people queued up, but we, you know, it was a cafe. People queued up and they'd come. We did sell bottled water because some people. Um, took away lots of people they were going into the parks that they want to take away so they come to the 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 till with their bottled water and we'd say great but did you know that there's free tap water and it's sparkling or still at the end we just asked for a an agent and most people would put the bottled water back and um we were at a position where we could afford to lose the sales the income from that bottled water and um they Put a donation and so between the 10p for the hot water that we gave and the donations for the tap water, we gave 20, yeah, 20. I think it was 23,000 in two years.
0: It was just a Love win that. win,
1: it was just yeah. brilliant. Um, so yeah, do speak to Bellu, b-e-l-u yeah, say, I, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> the guys. Well, I, know yeah, I know the company, I don't know them personally, but is that something that they, you know, if they got this bit of kit, is that a model of theirs where they'll give you know cafes yes the kit, they've got I numerous
1: I, I I haven't spoken to them recently but I they know that I want to work with them again on on and mm. I know that they've got even they've got more things that they've developed now and they work with a lot of restaurants now but um please mm. speak to them it's it's just win-win it, it just makes yeah, so much great,
0: sense yeah it's a great idea and because so. you
1: can offer sparkling it just suddenly people they feel like they're getting something you know something better than you know it's it's just not you know if it's still water they might as well just turn the tap on but if it's sparkling well it's something they used to peg for so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah no really really good idea um okay great uh another thing because I'm, I'm hoping that you might have investigated this sorry carly it's like uh oh please yeah, keep a, going a lot, i love it what, what, yeah one-on-one help session <laughs> uh, but lots, lots of people will be cheering you on um pay what you can afford so I, I love this concept we've i can't remember historically in our business when we thought i think it's in the depths of winter when we really struggled to get people in we thought you know should we just do a night where literally you know people pay what they can afford and you, you cook them this nice menu and it would i always think it would work really well for me and my friends because we all understand food and we're yeah. decent human beings and we would absolutely pay but so many people that i speak to seem to have absolutely no comprehension of why restaurants charge what they charge and the fact they can walk into a supermarket and buy a chicken breast for a pound and and are outraged by they have to pay it have have, have you investigated this to see is is there any people or any places where this is working
1: not in the uk um in australia there's a few in america there's a few um there's, there's people that have tried it in the past in the UK and but no one's kind of it, it's it seems to be a little bit um, amateur how it's been tried here but in Australia there's a group there's a there's a couple of groups that that that's how they run um we're very very um clear that this is experimental and if this isn't financially viable this is not the major part mm. of our project because yeah, you know, no, it's you said that, it's, yeah. it's absolutely fundamental that, you know, we, we guess we know that it's a utopian idea. But the idea is it's kind of designed to be an equalizer, acknowledging that material wealth can ebb and flow and and it can be out of our control. And we want people to always be able to come and enjoy a meal out because we think that, you know, loneliness is is a huge problem in our society and actually being able to share a meal outside of your house can be you know, a huge differentiator. Um, so we we are going to have a one plate, one price plate. And um, there is going to be a pay what you can afford um, option. And that will no, you can never pay less than half price. So we have to cover our costs. Um, but that overall, the under or overpayments will be managed centrally. This is once we build up a group. And um, the individual site profit and losses will be kind of recompense for the underpayments. And conversely, the same if we have overpayments. So, it, ideally, it kind of balances out. There will be some sites where more people overpay and there'll be some sites where more people underpay. But this is a huge um, exercise in educating people about why our plate is one price and, and what this pay what you can afford model is designed to do. Um, so we, we kind of think, you know, as the chain grows, um, we touch a wider spectrum of, um, of our community that we think the rebalancing will increase. We don't know. We don't know. Mm. We've seen it work on paper. We've never been to these places. We've read about places where they've made it work. Um, It really involves, you know, a lot of discussion and explaining. It might actually slow us down to the point that we can't do it because this is all about, you know, high volumes of sales. Um, But we like the idea that, you know, it should be we should live in a more inclusive society and we're not always... Its circumstances, depending on where we're born and how we're educated and what opportunities and who we know, can dictate you know our wealth. And they're not necessarily things that we have control over. So, we like the idea that in this perfect world, everything is a little bit equal. But you know, who knows? Who knows? It's experimental. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens.
0: I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's <laughs> brilliant because I, I love it. I mean, you know, if I was in the supermarket and there was somebody who was you know ten p short, or if there's somebody on the street that you genuinely think you can help you know you would absolutely do so and and I, and I love I love the idea well, not even the idea the reality is and I think that's the good thing that's come off the back of COVID in hospitality is people have it's not until something's taken away that you realize how much you actually appreciate it and in that's fact you touched enormous, on this yeah yeah you touched on this sort of um, the expectation I suppose of the public and how that expectation had only become harder and harder to manage because I guess it's an incredibly competitive sector people are adding more and more complexity to their menus uh it was getting harder and harder whether that i I, you know i think again i read or heard you talking about you know was that an oversupply of restaurants or was it just the wrong type of restaurants but yeah customer became very demanding and, and this came up when i was chatting to guy at riverford as well around you know how much people wanted to be able to change their boxes yes. and have you know certain ah. food items and that in in covid it, you know it was a complete meltdown of their systems because they it, it reminded them of how easy it was when they started to just put nigh on the same food in yeah. every box and send it out and it had to be fair it's a bit like you'll, you'll have done this in breakfast service the oh my goodness breakfast. Saying, <laughs> yeah a, a full english is is that is a full english and if you want to take off mushrooms add sausage and have two pieces of bacon and an extra portion of beans <laughs> just slows down the process it's to the point where it? people have got you just no wouldn't believe it if you hadn't done it would you <laughs> no people look at you as if you're absolutely bonkers you're like really i can't change myself like, oh god how long have you got can uh, i said, just come to the kitchen and watch if i press this you can make changes button and then just yeah. watch the speed that the whole <laughs> kitchen the falls over. Oh yeah. yeah, i've gone off on a right tangent carly i've got no uh, idea what i was talking about um, i love this idea of uh, yeah of, of trying this uh, pay what you can afford I think it'd be brilliant if I
1: can, think if you if know you that it everything be... we're just thinking. Of... We're just going to try lots of different things.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, that's why I was like, yeah, as I was cheering as I was reading your your document. As I got to that, I was, and the fact you thought about it so well that, yes, some places be under and over, and it would be centrally managed and costed. And I was like, wow, you've had a few bottles of wine, and some real thought (laughs) got into. It's been lockdown, you know. We've had
1: lots of time to think about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You shouldn't have moved to Tottenham. You (laughs) should have stayed in London. You'd have been. You'd Uh, far too stressed. If it works,
1: you know, who knows where it can go to.
0: No, but it needs somebody to uh, to trailblaze it. So is this then is this a a, a movement? Because lots of the stuff I was reading i was like look and, and it's a bit like the sra we had this conversation that so much of what the sra do is behind a paywall and yet so much of the messaging that they're giving out to genuinely change the world needs to be free do you see this sort of concept a lot of the stuff you're talking about is this a is this a, a movement rather than a business because you can try and retain control of all of this or i suppose you can educate people and release it into the world and hope that all boats are lifted on a rising tide
1: (laughs) that's a lovely i've not heard that expression
0: you know Um, i love it it's one of my favorites yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) oh that's a big question because um so yes in an ideal world it's it's open source and it's a blueprint for others to copy um if we manage to make a success of it but also obviously in order to do the good we want to do we have to um invest our profits back into the organization and some of those profits are going to come from um, selling the blueprint or, or or helping people or train people. So I guess, I guess probably um, what there'll be is a bit of both, that, that if we can prove it and make it work, then, then it will be very available for people to see, but that what we'll hope is that people will come to our training center and learn firsthand and work with us so that that's how we can generate income to, you know, to kind of fund our own project um, because what we obviously don't want to do is set something up and then and then it just gets replicated by other people and the people that we're trying to work with don't benefit. So it's it's going to have to be a very careful balance.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's the same with the SRA, really. Yeah. Isn't the more people that pay and join, then the more people they can help and the more messaging they yeah. can get across. And, it's and just uh, uh, yeah, not again,
1: to, yeah, dilute it too much.
0: Yeah, you need to meet. Um, do you know Mercato Metropolitano, the no. uh, street food street food places in London? And Andrea uh, Rasker is the CEO. But some yeah, of the I'm sort writing of, it down. Yeah, you, you, you'd you enjoy half an hour, completely and utterly bonkers. Uh, but he he really believes in sort of, you know, food as part of the community and his sort of, uh, what's it called, uh, MM's, uh, his sort of movement behind the scenes. I, I've done a podcast with okay. him. Listen to I'll, the first one, not, not the second one. Okay. Go back and listen to the first <laughs> podcast I did with Andrea and uh, – yeah, apart from being a sort of, you know, a, a, a one man PR machine who can really talk. But there's some there's some amazing little nuggets right. of how much difference food can make to okay. community and I people. He confiscates. It? If you if you rock up at the doors of his uh, place in London, uh, the security guards will look in your bag. And if you've got a big branded drink like Coke or Sprite or something, uh, you can have it back when you leave. But basically it's confiscated because wow. he so believes in not having, you know, big branded. You know, they make yeah. their own. Beer, they, they they only work with uh people who share their values and share their ethos and right. being a big multinational is not one of their values and Dang. therefore you're not even allowed on the premises if you've got that's it and very that's brave. Like, having the balls yeah exactly having the the, the the bravery to do stuff like that is uh yeah it reminds me of some of the stuff that you want to do which i think is fantastic oh, so um, running out of time so um if you went back i, I think it's a brilliant journey, it's a brilliant story, it's a great hospitality adventure, it's why I love having these conversations because I think it's such a great industry full of nice creative people and, and decent people, you know the people who work in hospitality It's people, weird, it? after people. It's a yeah, very real it. thing to do. It is, yeah, love it for so many reasons. Um, if you went back to your sort of, you know, that young self who, uh, however many years ago it was now, sort of 15, 16 years ago uh, in that hut and you, and you looked over the counter and saw you uh, in there in those early you know maybe that first week what what advice would you give yourself with all the knowledge you've learned in the last 15 or 16 years any words of advice or reassurance you could oh, give us
1: um what would I advise um I wouldn't change anything um I think I unfortunately really boringly i'd I'd advise myself to have a tighter a tighter view on um, of margin and cash flow that's you know that's where it nearly went wrong for us even though um, you know he's an accountant but you know because he wasn't full-time in the business we just didn't keep a close eye on and and we let it get to the stage where luckily we had people that put their hands in their pockets and, and helped us out but if we hadn't we would have lost everything um yeah sadly yeah. it's a really boring one it's not no, you know, it's, some, it's brilliant um, it's good yeah it's good advice yeah, yeah. You know, learn but, fast but you yeah. know um
0: and that that's the frustration, I think, isn't it? Is it so much of hospitality is great fun and it's people and there's so much good stuff you want to do and we want to feed the poor and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, if you run out of money, yeah, you've got no business got, You've got left. nothing, yeah.
1: But no, I, I so wouldn't change anything. I, I, it's, you know, everything has, has taught me something and, and mostly I've loved it.
0: Amazing. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. No, I I share that. I've got when you were chatting earlier, I think, yeah, the number of times I've sat down with my wife and gone, she's a primary school teacher. So she's got another career anyway. And uh, but listens to me and go, yeah, I might be getting towards the end of my hospitality adventure, because much as I love it, it is that it's people management generally that, that becomes the challenge. And the flip side is, yeah, there's just so much. I love. And it's part of the reason for doing this podcast actually is it's energy in, energy out. And there were some periods of time where you go through, you know, there was one summer where we lost our brigade early in the in the summer and it meant that we needed to try and rebuild, you know, right in peak season. And by the end of that summer, I sat down with my um one of my senior managers and we said look we're never going to go through a summer like that again if it happens one more time we're all yeah. out basically yeah, yeah. we're going to go and get other jobs but the flip side is you know energy in wise I, I have these great conversations and speak to so many other awesome human beings and you think ah oh, yeah it really is a great sector so yeah well done it's
1: very difficult to think of anything else that will make you you know want to get up in the morning as much as this does
0: yeah no it really does okay so look where should people go if they want to follow um either op or your journey or is are you personally on a particular sort of social channel where people can keep up to date no, with what it's you're just doing all
1: under all under op so we are at op dot uk or um op underscore one plate one price on instagram and um yeah come follow us and see see if we um, are gonna uh, walk the walk as well as talk the talk
0: yeah, wow, well, you've got the experience. I think you will. I, feel, I believe, I feel your passion and energy oh, come well, across. I'm really looking forward to trying yeah good well i'm looking forward to it i will definitely come in 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 nicer times we wanted to do this face to face originally it was covid that got in the way of that wasn't it, it but did. i will come down you're not too far away from not me really, and no. uh, i love dartmoor and ashburton beautiful part of the world so uh, yeah i'll be i'll be watching and i will rock up and uh pay extra for a pay what you can afford uh-huh. well hopefully by, to, be, to be working in hospitality by then i might be one of the people <laughs> i'm in a half price but uh, you will be I'll welcome. my best, you will be welcome good. thanks Either mark way. it's really been right. fun i've enjoyed it excellent thanks so much cheers carly Right, I hope you are feeling inspired and I very much hope you enjoyed Carly's infectious enthusiasm and stories. You really should go over and read more about Carly's businesses on her website, links via the show notes on humansofhospitality.co.uk and I'll also ask Carly if she's happy that she shares the manifesto style document that we discussed a couple of times during the conversation. If so, I'll either pop it in the newsletter or via the Patreon page. And if you enjoyed the conversation, once again, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast for me and I'll be exceptionally grateful. But for now, I'll be back next Monday morning when, all being well, I should be chatting to Naomi Duncan from Chefs in Schools about the incredible work that charity does. Okay, enjoy your week.